Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with us today, we have a special guest, Dr. Greg Mojan. Dr. Greg is a functional medicine expert, an autoimmune specialist, and also uh, specializes in chronic infections. Uh, Dr. Greg has started over five brick-and-mortar practices, primary, primary functional medicine doctor, for Olympic gold medalist Jordan Burroughs and is the lead functional medicine doctor for Eat the Frog Fitness. Uh, most days you can find him starting his day very early, looking over patient charts, diving deeper into the current research, spending time on personal self-growth, typically in a Bible study and mentoring clinicians around him. So Dr. Greg, uh, super excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, Toby, it's great to be here and it's fun to uh, just come alongside other people that are determined to allow people to live a better life, man. Absolutely. What drew you? Uh, did you always know that you wanted to get into like functional medicine specifically? Or were you going to become just a, a regular kind of Western medicine doctor? Or That's a great question. Actually, I had a patient yesterday. Uh, she's like, Doc, I, I need to know your story. Like, how, how did you get into this? Because what I'll tell you right now is you don't do what I do because it's easy and there's good money and there's lots of fame because the reality of working with people with chronic autoimmune diseases and chronic Lyme disease, it's in the trenches and you're, you're up to your eyeballs in tough cases and no two people are the same. So I, I started my medical journey uh, 20 year, 12, in 1998 and in my freshman semester of my first year of my medical training, I got a phone call from my dad and my dad uh, said these words to me, I have cancer. And my dad said, Hey, would you be willing to talk to your professors to get some time away from classes and come spend some time with our family? So I grew up in North Dakota. And so dad was shipped off to the Mayo Clinic, which was a pretty good haul from North Dakota. And it's very clear. I believe in all of our lives, we have uh, these times where it changes everything. You know, we have these, these integral situations and that is exactly what happened to me. I thought I was going to go be a doctor to help people and be popular and drive nice cars and have big homes and just live the easy life. And that very early on was, was uh, not going to be that path. So we showed up at the Mayo Clinic. Uh, my dad, um, my dad had his, had stage four uh, urinary bladder cancer. So he, by the way, he was 50 years old and his symptom was kidney stones. And it was actually my mom's legit like mother intuition that said, you know, Ron, like, I think there's something more to this. So fast forward, they take up my dad's bladder, they take up my dad's prostate, they take a one foot chunk of my dad's small intestine and make a new bladder. And, and, and part of that, I believe that, that I was put on that journey to understand and appreciate all forms of medicine. Now I have no interest in being an oncologist or an oncology uh, surgeon yet. Um, so that was 1998. So what are we now? 23 years later, my dad's alive. Um, that, that's a miracle, right? Because, you know, typically that, that, that stuff doesn't happen. But it was that situation that I said, what the hell am I doing? Why, why, am, I, why am I truly doing this work to be a doctor? And it, it became very clear to me that, um, and what, why I do what I do now is this whole conversation of revealing the potential of others. So 
that then parlayed into, I graduated from, actually my, my original degree is as a chiropractor. And then I jumped immediately into training through the Institute for Functional Medicine. So I, I literally sat at the same table at Dr., as, as with Dr. Mark Hyman, and we were both taught this, this premise of functional medicine. And functional medicine in definition, in my opinion, is this, the body responds appropriately to its environment. And instead of saying the body is stupid, it made bad choices, I'm so sorry, here's a drug, we get to be super curious as clinicians and go, huh, I wonder why. Uh, I tell my patients I get to be the proverbial two-year-old and ask why over and over again. And when you finally get to that component, then functional medicine also understands, I believe that functional medicine kind of takes the best of all fields. So we understand diet, we understand spiritual health, we understand detoxification, we understand breath work, we understand environment, relationships, as opposed to drugs and surgery. So that, took, that has taken me on quite a wild journey. Uh, once I graduated and had my specialty training, I jumped, um, I, I call it a belly flop in the deep end, into the world of autism. I actually, I did my first research paper in 1998 on autism, where there was, there was actually like two or three pieces of research uh, in the world on it. And um, I became really um, interested in autism. Uh, and so I became what's called a defeat autism now or a Dan doctor, which is the biomedical approach to treating autism. Uh, fast forward, I don't know, 16, 17 years now, we're about five or 6,000 hours that I've oversought hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Uh, we've done IV nutritional therapy, uh, IV infusions. We've done stem cell therapy. We've done some pretty crazy things over the world. I've, as in my introduction, um, I'm a functional medicine doc for a, a gold medal wrestler. So I run their labs and based upon their labs, I tell them what supplements that they should take. I understand what nutrition they should do to, to make weight and how to come along. But during that journey, the area that kept coming up and kept coming up was this conversation around autoimmunity. And right now there's over a hundred different diagnosed autoimmune diseases. And, the, and why I'm attra attracted to it, Toby, is the medical premise of autoimmunity is your immune system has gone rogue. And the, the current medical approach is what, we, what they call immunosuppressive therapy, where we have to take this crazy immune system and just tell it like, like, a, like, a, like, an, like an ADHD boy in third grade, you just go in the corner and be quiet. Like you're, you're not doing the right thing. And so I'm, I don't know exactly. I, I'm, I'm somewhere probably in the ballpark of 100,000 sets of labs uh, on patients in 20 years. So what I have found, and I believe that this is through my own spiritual journey and lots of good mentors and being humble and being open to like, what the hell is this? When we do the proper labs, we actually see that the immune system has not gone rogue. It's actually overwhelmed. And instead of, you know, for example, rheumatoid arthritis is, it is, your immune system is attacking the joint. MS is the immune system is attacking the brain. Hashimoto's it is attacking the thyroid. But if we go back to the original premise of functional medicine and that the body always responds appropriately to its environment, then what's the environment? And when we run the right labs, we find, and I, I would say, uh, my wife and I have five beautiful children and I don't like when our children use definitives like always and never. I would say 99 plus percent of labs, I find that these people have chronic, hidden, or stealth infections. Now, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, shoot, that, that's not me because effect, an infection means I have a fever, I have diarrhea, I feel like crap. That's an acute, acute infection where your body is acutely responding to something. On average, these people have had infections for, in some cases, decades. And it's just their normal level of functioning. So when you run the right lab, 
and ask the right questions, what, what I believe that autoimmunity really is. So let's just talk in terms of war for a second. Autoimmunity is actually friendly fire. Autoimmunity is your immune system is in a firefight. And for whatever reason, a good guy or a good gal, however you think of your body parts, get in the way. And, and we hear about these stories even inside of war. So when we test for the right thing and we look for it, that's the premise behind it. And then the other part that I think is really important, and even in the work that you do, there is no magic pill. There is no easy button. So people have to be in, in the understanding that it's going to take some work to get to where I need to go. And in your work, in, in the neurobiology work, it can change some neurobiochemistry. And then your body can get, can get um, your, your brain can get wired in a way that says, this is just how it is. Uh, actually, I listened to one of your podcasts where you had a, an integrator from psychedelic medication. And I think it's a, that's a neat conversation because sometimes your body just says, this is just how I respond to this. So, um, so that's what we do in a nutshell. So we run, we run labs. Um, we come alongside people we use, and we use all kinds of therapies. I think uh, it respectfully, as nicely as I can say this, functional medicine just bastardizes. We take the best of lots of different fields and, um, and we, we pull from them. I, I, I call them gods and grandma's tools. But I also believe that a good functional medicine approach is not just one expert. It's a team of people that can understand the brain, emotions, spirituality, psychology, nutrition, relationships, <laughs> All of those things are really a part of what we do. So there's my uh, 30-ish second version of what functional medicine is. <laughs> there we go. Right, right. What would you say as far as when, you know, if someone comes in to see you and you are suspecting that it's, you know, some autoimmune condition or, or something that functional medicine is, is able to treat, what, uh, what are some of the labs? Do you have any like top labs that you always test for? Yeah, I love that question. And yes, success unquestionably leaves clues. I think I heard two questions in there. The first question is like, who is that person that comes and finds us? Like, what journey are they on? And, and unfortunately, because my clinic is about 50 miles from the Mayo Clinic. So we get what we call Mayo Clinic dropouts. They're like, I have been to the best of the best of the best. And they tell me there's nothing. Or, my or, or get this, my labs are normal, but I'm not. Uh, that is profoundly common. Now, with that being said, we have to understand what normal lab values really look at. So Western medical traditional lab values are really disease-based ranges. If you're above or below this magical range, then Western medicine has a diagnosis and an approach based upon their field of study to, to get to it. Functional medicine, the range is much more narrow. So instead of being a disease-based range, it's an optimal functioning range. So even simple labs. So, so if you're, if you're uh, listening to this podcast and you have recent labs, hit the pause button and go grab your labs because I'll talk about a few markers and typical labs that are even ran like in a simple physical. So my favorite lab is a CBC, complete blood count. And then if they did it right, they would do the differentials. So let's just talk. So we talked about immune system a little bit before. And now let's, let's, let's bring that into some actual numbers. So in Western medicine, so part of that CBC is, is the very top number, we'll say WBC or white blood cells. So let's talk about that for a second. Your white blood cells are an intimate part of your immune system. Western medicine wants you between four and about 10 or 11, depending upon what lab you use. Functional medicine wants you between five and eight. 
So if I run a CBC or if your numbers on a CBC are eight or above, what that means is that um, your body has identified an intruder. So again, kind of like in terms of war, there's an intruder. And if, you're, if your number is eight or above, you have deployed your own troops. So you've raised your white blood cell count to go after the enemy. And if your immune system ha has what it takes to kill the enemy over a short period of time, it'll get rid of the enemy. And your body uses what we call drainage pathways, your gut, your liver, your kidneys, your lungs, your lymphatic system, and even your brain's own lymphatic system called the glymphatic system to get rid of these toxicities or the byproducts of these infection. And then it comes back into five, between five and eight and says, all right, who's next? So that's a proper, so for those of you that are listening, you just got immunology 101. That's a proper immune system response, though what I see 95 plus percent of the time when, I, when these people find us is I see an actual low white blood cell count. And typically what that tells us is that your body has more than likely had the initial appropriate immune system response to the enemy. The catch, the caveat though, is the enemy's good and the enemy brought its buddies with. And so we use the term in functional medicine called co-infections and opportunistic infections, which means just as lovingly as I can say this, there's never just a single strep or staph or parasite or a spirochete. There's, there's many, many, when you do the right testing, you're going to be like, holy crap, there's, they brought their friends with. So what happens is if, so if you deploy the troops and the enemy's really good, you cannot withstand that level of troop deployment. Your body just can't keep up with making that number of white blood cells. And over time, the troops are depleted. And then that's the firefight that I talk about with autoimmunity. That's the firefight. And we're starting to shoot bullets. And for whatever reason, the thyroid or the joint, and it's typically, typically because of genetics or a previous uh, stressor to that system that can make that tissue vulnerable. Uh, the analogy, and it might be a cheesy analogy, is like, you know, the first time you sprain your ankle, you have to crush that sucker. But then after that, if you didn't, if you didn't rehab it appropriately, it doesn't take much. So for example, if you stressed your endocrine system and now your thyroid is a little bit tippy, you're probably going to get Hashimoto's. If you have genetic predisposition to have some joint issues or joint degeneration, probably going to get rheumatoid. Um, when you look at the research with dementia, and it's scary. Uh, the brain is a very, very vulnerable uh, chunk of tissue. So you might see MS. Uh, we actually now know that uh, in, in many, many clinical cases, Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, is really an active infection of brain tissue that um, is not just this neurodegenerative thing that, um, that medicine is doing a complete horrible job right now of trying to, to figure out. I mean, the pharmacological world right now is spending billions of dollars to try to find drugs for dementia because of the prevalence of them. And they, for the most part, they suck. They're not doing their job because the reality is they're not getting to the cause. So those white blood cells, low white blood cells, then tell us that the body's, you know, it's, it's defenseless. It cannot mount the appropriate response anymore. And that's, it does, so, so, then, so then does, if, if your immune system is overwhelmed and it needs help, does it make sense to suppress it? And in my opinion, hell no. <laughs> that makes, that's the opposite thing of what the body needs. Now, the question is, the body needs help to boost the immune system. And it also needs to know who the hell the intruders are so that we can come alongside of it with, of all the tools that we have. And then most importantly, once we've got through the firefight, how do we, how's our peacetime work? How are we taking care of our body so that we don't go there again? 
And that's really this journey. I tell my patients very early on, um, offense is a lot more fun to play than defense when it comes to your health. Uh, we're good at defense, yet defense is exhausting. So I tell them, you know, spoiler alert, I plan on being on your healthcare team for decades to come. So what that means is let's get through and let's do the dirty work. And then, so like, for example, I run a pretty profound set of labs on myself every six months for a couple of reasons. Number one is I spend good money on supplements. I do believe in supplementation. I do believe that we have such depleted soils and that we have poor farming practices and we live in a stressful, I mean, I'm in a room right now with, with I'm essentially in a video studio with fluorescent lights and I'm hooked up to electronics. So I want to know, number one, am I spending the right money on my supplements? And, and by the way, my mantra for 20 years now has been don't guess, test. Like we can figure this stuff out. And then number two, because the testing is so good, the testing will tell me, am I walking towards something from a health standpoint that I want nothing to do with, whether it's heart disease, cancer, diabetes, brain health components. So we can test to make damn sure that we're not heading towards those things. And that's where I like to use quantification to, to get there. In terms of, uh, keeping the body healthy, you know, you're talking about kind of this, this decade long thing, what besides, or maybe actually, since you mentioned uh, supplementation, what, what are some of the common supplements that you track the, the lab values for, and then adjust the, I'm assuming adjust the dosage based off that? Yeah, that's a good question. So, so we look, we look at the body more regionally, at first, as opposed to like specifically, like I've done a lot of micronutrient testing. And for a lot of people, that's very overwhelming because now they're taking like 14 different bottles of stuff and they're taking micro doses of them. So when I look at labs, I look at groups and I can kind of, I, we kind of segregate the body into systems. Now the body is one big system acting together. So for example, the number one cause of death right now in the United States is cardiovascular disease. So I run essentially a cardiologist version of a cardiac panel. I, so it's not just HDL, LDL, triglycerides, and total cholesterol. We're looking at apolipoproteins, which is essentially the breakdown of that LDL particle into whether it's a big puffy one that doesn't cause atherosclerosis, or is it a little piece of pea gravel that will, that will plaque. We look at specific inflammatory markers. We look at something called homocysteine. By the way, if you've never had your homocysteine ran, go get it done because it it is actually more indicative of cardiovascular disease than elevated LDL. So we look at the cardiovascular system. I also like to look at the, so one of the things that we talk about really early on, and you talked about supplementation is I kind of don't care what you have going on. There's two big areas of the body that if they're not working, anything else is just smoke and mirrors. So the first thing we talk about energy systems and no, it's not, here's an energy pill or even adrenal health is a kind of a garbage basket term now in the world of functional medicine but we, we do talk about cellular energy and there are things that can look at things like mitochondrial function. So mitochondria is a part of the cell that produces energy. Uh, yet that's what I, that was that, that's what I was taught in school 20 plus years ago. We now know that the mitochondria, and this is called, this is through the cell danger response. The mitochondria does one of two things. It's either a, a power plant to produce energy, or it's a battleship to fight a battle. So in this conversation of chronic infection, it can't be a power plant. It has to be a battleship, but guess what? It can't be both. So we have to make sure that there's enough energy inside of this. So there are um, several tools that we use to help make sure that there's enough horsepower, enough gas in the tank, money in the bank 
to get the job done. Number two, and this is kind of like, don't pass go, do not collect $200 if your drainage pathways are not open. So the body has a very distinct pattern on how to get rid of things. So number one, the large intestine or your intestinal system. If that's not working, everything else is just makes your body work harder. I mean, if you have low energy and you're pooping once every three days, hello, like don't get fancy. Like you need to get your drainage pathway moving. And by the way, it's not because there's a lack of Miralax in your body. Ask why, why is my body not moving? So number one is, is, is gut health. Number two, your liver gallbladder. In my opinion, because I look for chronic infection, I look for Lyme disease, I look for these chronic infections, depending upon how big you are and your pulse rate and your level of activity, every drop of blood in your body goes through your liver every three to six minutes. So the poor liver can get overwhelmed. So this is why a lot of my middle-aged females that come to us, they have their gallbladders lopped out. And it's not because you had a bad gallbladder. It's because the dang liver is like, hey, I only got so much energy here. So you're going to get the short end of the stick. Uh, so, so liver health and, and tools around the liver and looking at liver enzymes. So liver enzymes. So there's a, there's a part of a lab called a CMP, which is called a comprehensive metabolic profile. And this gives me a good idea as to how the kidneys and how the liver are doing from a standpoint of their health. So this is looking at things like sodium and potassium at the electrolytes. This is looking at things like alkaline phosphatase and ALT and AST. And again, remember the ranges are not the medical ranges. They're more of the functional medicine ranges. And much like white blood cells, especially with liver enzymes, it's actually scary for me to see low liver enzymes than too high because it means your poor liver says, I can no longer respond appropriately to the stress that I'm under. Uh, so that's one thing we think about when we think of the labs. Um, which, so inside of that comprehensive metabol metabolic profile, we can also look for something called leaky gut syndrome. And this is something, I mean, we've known this for 20 years and people are kind of like, eh, how does this work? But the crazy thing is your intestinal tract is literally one cell layer thick covered by a muscular layer. And there can actually be holes in the tight junctions and things like pathogens and infection can pass through that. If you're listening to this and you have an interest in this role, you've heard of the lymphatic system. And a lot of people think of like, they think of like lymph the lymph system like in their, in their neck or in their armpits. But we now know that 80% of the lymphatic system lies in the liver and large intestine area of your body. So, and that's because, so if there's a gut in, in, implement or a gut health issue, that can really blow up. And in your world, this whole conversation of gut brain access and the intimacy of how neurotransmitters are produced and why things like SSRIs um, don't make a ton of sense. But I mean, here's the thing, they keep people safe. I have a huge appreciation for them, though um, I actually go back to some of Peter Bregan's work. And Peter Bregan was the uh, lead um, expert witness uh, when some of the SSRIs were under heat for like homicide and suicide components. So he's actually the guy behind the black label warning of, of this may cause homicidal or suicidal thoughts or tendencies. And it was super eye-opening from that standpoint. Uh, the lungs. I mean, your lungs are a part of your drainage pathway. Uh, you'd be surprised when we test for it, how many people in our clinic have been exposed to mold and their body is responding to that mold. Uh, I'm a little concerned of you moving down to Southern Florida, my friend, uh, because it's, it's rampant. So if you're like, gosh, I just don't feel as good as I could, look at your environment. So we, we use things like nebulizers to help bring products into the lung tissue. Uh, there's, a, there's an interesting book, and the book is called Breath by a guy named James Nestor. And in his book, really cool research, he, 
he talked about weight loss and the research on weight loss. And this kind of blew my mind because obviously I've worked with professional wrestlers who have to make weight. But he said eight and a half out of every 10 pounds of weight loss comes through the breath. It's a gaseous exchange. And I think most people listening to this are like, holy shit, that may, that's crazy. Like I thought I pooped it out or I peed it out or I sweat it out. It's a gaseous exchange. And a lot of people just, just in that caveat breath work, oh my word, it's breath work. We do it with every single patient of ours because your breath is a tool that can put your physiology, your neurology in a state that can allow your body to heal. Uh, we actually now know, like I was taught in grad school that there's a sympathetic and a parasympathetic, and that's all it is. And, and one's rest and digest and one's fight or flight. And you're somewhere between those. And we actually know now that that's only a partial truth. We now know that there's a ventral and a dorsal horn to the parasympathetic nervous system. And breath is one of the tools that we must use to get us up. I mean, I, even as goofy as I wear when I, I enjoy quantifying things and I like technology. So I wear this goofy Apple watch and I, it, there's times where it's like, it's time to breathe. And it's typically where I'm like, shut up. Like I'm, I'm stressed right now. So like the data, it's getting better. So, and then even the brain itself, uh, we now know that the brain has its own lymphatic system. It's called a glymphatic system. And if we're not honoring that, I mean, how many people are listening to this with brain fog or that they're saying, Hey, my brain is just not clicking on all the cylinders that I want it to. We now know that there's, there's so many ways to obliterate or alter the blood brain barrier and just the, the brain and the gut. There's a cool piece of research um, in regards to concussions. Uh, and the, the research said 30 minutes after a concussion, you have leaky gut syndrome. So some people are like, why that my gut, my gut all of a sudden, or, or, or it started around this time. And as clinicians, we can ask better questions. So it's not just, oh, take a digestive enzyme or, oh, get gluten and dairy out of your system. We have to look at the bigger picture. And that's really what I love clinically, Toby. I love getting to know people. I love hearing their story. People love when I get to spend more than eight to 15 minutes with them. I, I, I have not. I actually got kicked out of the insurance companies about, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, because I was an overutilizer. What that means is I spent too much time and I saw them too often. Uh, the reality was I was giving them the exact care that they needed, but it wasn't the care that somebody in a cubicle uh, working for a corporate company thought was necessary. So, and when, when we explain that now, now 20 years ago, when I was doing this work, people were like, oh shoot, it's not covered by insurance. Uh, I can't do it. And now when we have that conversation, we're like, yeah, I didn't think I was going to pay for that. So there's been some neat transitions over the years of just the acceptance. And also as a clinician, if you don't take insurance, you have to be super transparent about your fee schedules. And I'll, I'll just frankly say this. There are some slime balls in the world of functional medicine that they charge just stupid amounts of money. And, and they don't even have, some of them have a weekend seminar and some guru told them to charge, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and see them, you know, give them a program or see them very sparingly. Like... Those frustrate me. I'll just say that because people need touch. They need to be walked through the journey. They need to be heard. And they, and it's, there is, again, there is no easy button. There is no magic pill. It takes time. If you're interested in learning to improve your cognition through the use of nutrition, supplementation, nootropics, exercise, and sleep, go ahead and check out roscoeswetsuitneuro.com and book a free 15-minute neurohealth coaching consultation to see if neurohealth coaching is for you. In neurohealth coaching, we review your current cognitive status and work with you to improve your cognition 
through the use of the latest research-backed neuroscientific tips and tools. Center in the middle of COVID, right? Because what we're doing is exploding. And we're looking at what technology is out there that we could provide understanding our understanding knowing our understanding of neurology and, and biophysiology. So let's just, let me unpack mitochondria for a little bit. Every cell has mitochondria. The average cell in the body has about 2000 mitochondria. And when you guys talk about the conversation, and you guys, I say that lovingly, when you talk about the conversation of neural mitochondria, there's a spot in the brain. It's actually the spot in, uh, influenced by Parkinson's. It's called the substantia nigra. Um, there's two, so again, the average cell has 2000 mitochondria. Substantia nigra has 2 million mitochondria per cell. So here's the scoop. And, and again, I'll say this lovingly, brain fog is the first symptom of dementia. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guessing a bunch of people listening to this are like, oh, shit, <laughs> right? Like, damn it. Um, okay, so the first, so the, the conversation is when I, when I talk about what we do, we have to make sure that we're not doing something to sabotage it for starters. Uh, not everything is a supplement or a pill or a potion or a lotion to get better. So the first thing we have to ask is, how could I be creating an environment that is diminishing of my mitochondria's natural ability to do what the hell it's supposed to do? So, and then also, um, I have a pretty extensive background in genetics and, and looking at genetics and understanding genetic predispositions. Also, do I have these genes? And now understand, your genes are not your fate. Your lifestyle turns on and turns genes off. Yet, so the gene is much like a loaded gun, and your lifestyle is the trigger finger. And most people are like, oh, yeah, I don't have trigger finger. And then we start asking questions, and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I do have trigger finger. So think simple things like the APOE2 or the APOE4 gene that we can test for. I mean, if you knew that you had a super high propensity to have dementia, then for goodness sakes, you better be doing things that, that don't lead to neural inflammation and that can optimize things like mitochondrial function. So with that being said, um, again, what are the lifestyle components? Uh, I just had a conversation with, with a woman today and, and her and her boyfriend do all kinds of bioidenticals and they, he gets testosterone injections and they do all this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's, that's great. You might feel better, that, but why was that happening? So if you're, if, so let's just talk really simply. Um, how is your rest? Are you sleeping well? Are you able to, are you, are you tied to a freaking cell phone until three seconds before you try to close your eyes? Or do you have an evening routine to get your system into a state of physiology where you can actually rest and then your bedroom? Um, so this is the book called Spark from, I think about 2005 or so. The number one cause of breast cancer in women is lack of darkness. What? So if there's any light in your bedroom, I'm, I'm talking a smoke detector. That every, and, and every cell in your body has photoreceptors on it. So if you're not in completely pitch black, that tweaks your sleep. Uh, my wife and I have what's called a chili pad on our bed. So we drop the, the temperature of our bed. I actually take my bed down to about 60 degrees. So when I get in, we know that your body temp has to drop about two degrees or so before you can even hit REM sleep. So what does that look like? Um, do you have, so one thing that we do in our house is before we go to bed, we, 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 we tweak our brains. So, uh, for years now, my wife and I, before we go to bed, we each write down three things that we're grateful for. And then we write down three things that would make tomorrow awesome. And I am what my, my wife is a thinker and, and she, 
Uh, and she has stated to me that, you know, when I do that, I don't know how the hell it works, but I think I sleep better. And part of it is because you're setting an intention. And the crazy thing is a lot of people listen to this. They want, they want the next gadget. They want the next thing that they can spend a thousand bucks on. They want the, the aura ring or the whatever. Yet so few people are willing to pick up the low hanging fruit. So is there gratitude? Do you have a, a sense or connection with something bigger than yourself? Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, and I have his book sitting right here. Um, his name is Patrick Gentempo. And, and he just wrote a book called Your Stand is Your Brand. And he has a company called Revealed Films. And he did, he did a, a docuseries in Israel. And I, I'm not sure what his stance was prior to, prior to this docuseries uh, in, in regards to faith or religion or anything like that. Though he said afterwards, and it's in this book, he said, we, I, he said I believe that we are neurophysically designed for faith in some type of a fashion. And I'm not the person to say your faith has to be my faith, yet um, that, that conversation of I believe in something greater than me, because then there's a piece, because if not, then you're like, crap, what is it? There's this question. So, I, so what I have found in 20 years of clinical practice is my patients that have some form of faith there's just a foundation for them, this, this higher power that they feel like they can tap into and have conversation with. And that even comes into that conversation of breath work. You know, are we slowing down? Are we taking time to, to understand our breath? Are we taking time to be quiet? I mean, I'll be honest, when I grew up, I grew up in a very religious house. And even the conversation of meditation was kind of like, ooh, be careful with that. That's kind of woo-woo or new age. And the reality is like, how could you hear something from a higher being unless you're being quiet. So most people don't carve quiet time. Like quiet time is clutch and we're so connected. Um, hydration. Uh, there's actually all kinds of research now on like what, the, what, what good water is, or what's the best water. Yet you're, we're electrical beings. I mean, if your heart stops, I, I put some paddles on you and I throw some electricity through you. We are electrical beings. So if we're not allowing the conductivity of good water to go through our system, um, sense of peace, sense of connection, and then we look at the foods that we're consuming. You know, for example, I work with a rancher seven miles from my clinic. I can go out to their ranch and I can find, you know, chickens that get to roam in a pasture and cows that get to actually eat grass instead of a bunch of silage. So even being connected to our food, where does our food come from? What is the process of food? Or is it, are we in such a hurry that we don't even have time to prepare a meal? And then not just prepare a meal, but to sit and, and consume it with people that we love. Like we've lost touch on these things that will ground us and give us a sense of connection. Grounding, like go outside in your bare feet. Like we don't, are we even doing things like that? So we have to pick up the low hanging fruit. And then from there, we have to look at systems. Like for example, if I see someone with elevated homocysteine, low vitamin B12, potentially anemia, then I know that there's multiple areas that cellular energy systems are not working well. I'm not a big fan of adrenal supplementation because in reality, it's not just the adrenals, it's their job. There's, this is more of a global conversation. So um, yeah, the mitochondria conversation is really cool. And, and yeah, I think we need tools on top of lifestyle yet, man. To, and I'm, I'm curious about the technology also, because with the conversation around neuroplasticity, your body just may not even know how to tap into those, those super dense areas. Or in my world, is that part of the brain dealing with infection? Is that substantia nigra with that patient with Parkinson's actually dealing with infection? So those 2 million mitochondria per cell are trying to deal with this damn infection as opposed to supplying the body neurologically with this overwhelming amount of cellular energy. So there's a long question to a short answer. Another interesting conversation uh, uh, that we might want to delve further into 
the what you said about being neurophysically designed for faith. Can you expand a little more on on that doctor's what, what that doctor meant by that? And because that's a that's a area in which I feel like I haven't necessarily unpacked a ton in the podcast. Yeah. Um, so just I, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I just am, am a, a doctor that loves people and has 20 years of experience inside of this. So, in my opinion, so so I come from a Judeo-Christian background. I I in my world, um, I have this this conversation, this connection to something much bigger than me. So when I think of like, like why the hell would I go sign a contract on a 5,000 square foot space when we're killing it in a very small space? And and the answer is because it's not about me. The answer is when I have a connection, then I feel like I have a gift and who the hell do I think I am keeping my gift in this little neatly packed box in a corner that I think is serving myself well. So when you have this conversation or this potential to be open to that, then, and again, I, I, as nicely as I can say it, uh, and some of my Christian buddies will probably get after me for this, but I honestly don't care what your belief system is. Um, Though what I have found is, uh, especially with some of my people, my friends that I've spoken with that have done like psychedelic uh, experiences, uh, and I think that Dr. Jen Temple might be one of them, even though I don't know for sure that he's done those, even though they just did a docuseries called Psychedelics Revealed, which was absolutely mind-blowing. I believe that sometimes people have an experience that they just can't explain. Um, They have a connection or this feeling that is completely... You just can't make it up. I tell my patients, I, get, I, I love goosebumps because I cannot voluntarily give myself goosebumps. I just can't. There's, I, I can't. Uh, I could make myself cry if I had to. I could do a lot of things, but goosebumps just come. So what, what, what I think is behind that is this real conversation. So I'm a, I'm a fan of like um, Ryan Holiday and even like this whole conversation around ego and around, um, and I also believe that a lot of people in the world right now, and I, I am this guy, we're, we're, we're sold a bill of goods that are a lie. And, and the conversation around this bill of goods that's a lie is think of like this vertical ladder. And there's some rules with this vertical ladder. The goal is to get to the top. And only one person can be on one rung per time. And if you're above somebody or below somebody, there's a judgment. Um, so if, if someone's above you, you'd probably judge yourself or you'd make something up about them that, they, that, there's, that they've cheated somebody and they're above you. Uh, and if they're below you, then you're like, yes, I'm better than you. And the idea is how can I get myself to the very best place? This conversation of maybe self-actualization, like, and I'm not against like the Maslow's hierarchy yet, yet that's a freaking lonely place to be. So in my opinion, the opposite of this is like this horizontal path. And the conversation of the path is how can I use my gifts that I believe God has given me to help you and people listening to this to get to where they deserve to be or, where, or depending upon a belief system where they're designed to be. I believe that there's this urge in many people. Now, there's two things about it. Number one, it could be that they're just discontent and they're not able to look around. Though I think a lot of people just know that they're called for something maybe greater than what they're currently doing. So that horizontal ladder says to me, how can Greg use Greg's crazy background and, and, and interest and ADHD to take Toby and help him to get where he wants to be, or at least, or at least help him discover what the hell do I want to do? Where do I want to be? Or to potentially help him to say, dude, freaking look around. You're killing it. 
why are you so discontent where you are right now? And so, for example, we do a fair amount with weight loss. And the first person, the first thing I tell our weight loss clients is until you can, and I'll say this as nicely as I can, until you can look at yourself buck naked in the mirror and say, son of a bitch, I am beautiful and I am loved and I am right where I need to be right now. You have no right to go someplace else. And it's a change because and then we, when we ask these people these questions, there's this real conversation of someone told them they're not good enough. They've told themselves they're not good enough. And then even if they get to the size, whatever, they're still not good enough. So I think that's, so when we look at this and what I've found is when people grasp that in whatever fashion they grasp that, there seems to be just more peace, more clarity, more like, huh, yeah, that does make sense. And I think when we really talk about this horizontal component, then it's we, not me. And there's a hell of a lot less pressure in we. Yeah, even what's going on in the world right now, I just freaking turn social media off. Uh, I believe the thing that stresses me the most about even what's going on right now is the division of people. Um, you know, vaccine or not vaccine or this or that. And the thing that I don't give a shit about the vaccine, to be honest with you, are there adverse side effects? Yes. Should some people get it? Probably. The thing I hate is that we are designed to do this thing together. And the thing I hate is that people that used to be, who I would say are very close friends of mine, they, they would be willing to be enemies of mine if, they, if, they, if, if our stances differed. I mean, we had a presidential debate not long ago. I try not to be political, yet the thing that breaks my heart is division. And I think as I move through a journey, and again, I've been in this for 20 years. I didn't start here. When I walk through this journey, my question is, how can I help reveal your potential? How can I get you along the path or even help you turn your head around and look where you are? So, um, so that's, and, and again, there can be all kinds of philosophy. And, and, and if you're a Muslim or a Christian or a Jew, I, I, I'm not the person to say you're right or you're wrong. What I love is I love that there can be connection inside of that. And I believe inside of many churches, if you're not in their thing, you're in the wrong thing. And respectfully, and if my mom's listening to this, I still love you, mom. I was raised, my mom's not going to listen to this. Um, and I was raised in a house where if you don't do what we do or what we belong to, you're, you're not in the right place. And I was raised with that. So I had to unwire that on my journey. And um, so, I mean, even like, in the, like, like, so I'm a Christian. So even the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. And most people forget the second part of that statement. Like, how are you doing in loving yourself? Truly, how are you doing there? And in some cases, and even in my own journey, I've treated some people like shit in my life. But you know what? I was loving them like I loved myself. So the core for me was not that I didn't love them. The core for me was I was treating them exactly how I treated me. Whew, that was crazy. That's a, that's a, that's a whole other <laughs> conversation to unpack. But that's part of a journey. I tell our patients, this is going to be just as much of a spiritual journey as it is going to be a biochemical lab test journey. And when they get that, they're like, sweet, this is good. Yeah, it's fascinating how that those two seemingly disparate worlds can kind of fuse together there. So true. What would you say as far as um, when you are seeing patients specifically who are dealing with cognitive symptoms, uh, whether that be psychiatric or neurological, what are, uh, what are some of the most common culprits and or also 
kind of therapies or treatments that you prescribe uh, for those patients? That's a good question. So um, that's a that's a huge world, right? Because my brain goes into so my so I have a family history of of dementia, and there's many forms of dementia. Uh, and and I and Dad, if you're listening to this, I, I love you also, and he would agree with this that we actually intervened in my dad's life when about ten years after his cancer therapy because he was having my mom. My mom actually worked in a, a memory care facility and my mom, so my, my mom's hundred percent German girls, a spicy meatball. My dad's hundred percent French, hence the crazy French last name. And my mom like legit called a family meeting with us four boys. And she's like, I think dad's losing it. You guys like he's, I'm noticing things and it's scaring me. And it was actually my dad's mom who had life-taking dementia. And so there's that dementia component. And then on the other side, I, I do see a fair amount of like things like anxiety and depression. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a mental health therapist. What I have found when I do labs on those people, and again, I think you look for, I think you find what you look for. Uh, and what I can tell you, I treat a lot of Lyme disease in this practice, a lot of Lyme disease in this practice. Now, number one, I live in Minnesota. So some people would say, oh, you just live geographically in an area that has a lot of Lyme disease. Uh, well, spoiler alert, I, I have done uh, telemedicine now for almost a decade. I mean, I have a patient in Spain right now that has Lyme disease. I have a person in Alaska that has Lyme disease. I have, I have several people in Nebraska that have Lyme disease. By the way, it's not carried, it's carried by any biting insect, not just deer ticks. So mosquitoes can carry Lyme disease. So when I see those people, number one, I know that they're not functioning in the way that I know that the body is designed to function. Um, so, so with my faith belief, so, I, I, so, so, so for example, I tell people I have way too many college credits and I have a belief in a greater person that I, I truly believe that your body is not functioning up to its potential right now. So then I dig. And what I can tell you is, so Lyme disease, for example. Lyme disease back in... Its early stages was actually called juvenile uh, Lyme arthritis because the first people that had it had joint pain. Well, now Lyme disease is called the great imitator. And so again, remember I talk, told you that I have the Mayo dropouts that show up into my clinic and they have some of the damnedest symptoms. What I can tell you is probably the most common symptom that I see from Lyme is anxiety because the infections and co-infections, specifically like babesiosis, loves nervous system tissue. Um, again, going, I shared some research. This was research done back in the early 2000s that talks about even Lou Gehrig's and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's are many times Lyme, Lyme that's impacting the brain. So when I see those people, I have to figure out why, like what is going on and we also can understand that there's carnage, there's damage that's happened along that way. And it's, it's not a simple, oh, you just need these three supplements and this medication and, and you're good to go. And in some cases, as, as unfortunately as I can say this, and this is actually work done by Dale Bredesen. Dale Bredesen actually wrote a book called The End of Alzheimer's. He's a, it's from a functional medicine standpoint. And we actually run essentially the same labs that Dale does. Um, so Dale looks at things like, like genetics. He looks at things like heavy metal toxicity. He looks at things like neural inflammatory pathways. And then we, there's, a very there's a very specific approach dietarily, even workout, even mindset and breath. Um, the cool thing is, the crazy thing is, you can actually reverse what was originally deemed to be a degenerative, non-approachable disease. Um, the, the reality, though, Toby, is the more that we know clinically, 
the less it's a slam dunk. And a lot of times I think the longer I've been in practice, when people ask me questions, my answer now is more, well, it depends because there's so many variables. And then we have biochemical individuality. We have different relationships. We live in different places. So, so much to it, man. I hear you. Well, Dr. Greg, we're coming up onto the end of the show today. Yeah. Do you think there's anything you'd like to leave our listeners with uh, that's relevant to anything we've talked about so far related to, to functional medicine or health in general? Yeah. Okay. So I do have something. If you're a female listening to this and you're our typical person that walks into our clinic, you're between 35-ish and 65 years old, what I need to tell you is you're worth looking into. You are worth the journey and the money and the attention to get help. My wife, uh, she's an amazing woman and she has this amazing ability to put herself in last place. And so number one is you're worth it. And if you're a guy listening to this and you have a woman or whatever your relationship situation is, I really don't care. If there's, if there's a woman in your life that you know is struggling, give them the right to get help. Um, that to me is the, the biggest picture. Um, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to just be like, oh, I guess this is as good as it is. I guess this is the version that my, that my loved ones and my kids get of me, even though I know it's not the me that I deserve. So you deserve it. And I think that's, that is, some people just need to hear that they're worth it. And I, because respectfully, the science of this work is kind of easy. Like we can figure this stuff out. Um, one of the biggest keys to success inside of a journey is a person's, is a person's self-worth and knowing that they have what it takes to get well and the team and the journey. And so, so it's, yeah, it's not some like, Oh, do this test or do that. But it's, man, it's a core of who you are is really the, the crux, the crux of, of this journey. Awesome. Well, Dr. Greg, it was a pleasure having you on the show today and thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and expertise. If uh, people want to find out more about your work, where would you direct them to? Yeah. So again, we just, the ink is drying on the lease right now. So we'll probably have a couple of websites, depending upon when this, when this episode airs, you can go to dr, like drgreg.health. Uh, that's my personal page. And then we are uh, opening this new clinic with lots of clinicians. Uh, it'll be when, when the site is up, it'll be called thecornerstoneclinic.com, I believe. Um, that's, that's my guess. But you can find us through drgreg.health. You can find us on social. We do a free discovery call. And by the way, that call is with me. Um, I just want to be able to give some people hope. I can't fix everybody. So I do the call for free because some people are like, holy crap. Like I'm already thousands of dollars into this journey and here I am shelling out some more money. So you can always jump on a free discovery call. I love that call because I get to know people. I get to, I, I really feel like I'm a hope dealer, not a drug dealer, but a hope dealer. And, and just it gives people just like, oh my gosh, like ah, this feels great. So yeah, look us up. We'd love to be a, of, of help to you. Well, I'd highly encourage you guys to go and check that out. And if you guys enjoyed the show today, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel where Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro also, go ahead and subscribe on whatever audio platform that you listen to the podcast on, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any of the other ones, we are on them all. Also, go ahead and connect with us on social media. On Instagram, we're Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro. Twitter, we're Wetsuit Podcast. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, uh, requests for uh, future podcasts, uh, I'd love to hear them. So go ahead and check us out. 
Dr. Greg, again, I wanted to really thank you for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure having you on. Likewise, Toby. Thank you. Uh-huh.